Welcome to Me Time, the podcast for women in midlife who've been taking care of everyone else and now say, it's my turn to take care of me. I'm Kim Aceto, health and self-care coach for women in midlife and your host. Thank you for spending your precious me time with me right now. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today I'm here with Martha Bodyfelt. Let me tell you about Martha. Martha is a certified divorce recovery coach who teaches divorced women how to break free from the patterns that keep them stuck so they can feel fulfilled, have more fun, and live fearlessly. In the past five years, she has professionally coached over 100 women using the Lionheart Method, a no BS empowering solution that helps women recover from divorce pain and thrive in a matter of weeks, not years. Since 2015, Martha has also served as a divorce expert contributor to the Huffington Post, Elephant Journal, Psychology Today, and Thrive Global, where her advice has impacted over 10 million divorced women. Martha, welcome to the Me Time Midlife podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Kim, and I can't wait to speak with you as well as your listeners about some of the strategies that I've been able to teach folks to get unstuck after their divorce. So I'm, I'm really excited to be here with you. Yay. Awesome. And we've been Facebook friends for ages and mm-hmm. we finally been able to connect in this way. So that was also a nice win for me. And then to have you here on the podcast is, is, is really great. So I can't wait to talk with you about all of that as well. Um, but as a first time guest, let me ask you, what do you enjoy doing during your me time? So, so many things. And I thought about this question. I'm like, is it okay to say drinking wine and watching bad reality TV on Netflix? But I said, no, sure. Martha, something that you also like to do is right. um, I actually love to spend right when I wake up early in the morning, I like to spend a good 90 minutes or so doing some kind of movement. So whether that's starting with a five minute um, kind of meditation and then some yoga stretches and then every morning doing kind of a, a 30 minutes kind of hard cardio as much as my body can handle mixing in with some core abdominal kind of Pilates work, as well as a little bit of strength training. I found the importance really of working out and being active as I, as I'm now in midlife. And I remember when I was younger dealing with issues like, um, back pain, which ended up turning into arthritis after an injury I had in the army, as well as dealing with uterine fibroids and some depression and slow metabolism and these things that happened as I got older. And instead of just taking a whole bunch of pills that male doctors were throwing at me, I said, well, let's try to maybe step up the quality of play with working out. And once I started doing that about a year ago, everything in my body changed for the better and my outlook and attitude changed for the better. So I think one of the things I enjoy now doing in my me time, I never thought I'd say I enjoy exercising, but it's definitely taking that big chunk of the day for about 90 minutes first thing when I wake up to get that movement and that workout in. That's great. I love so many things about the things that you said right now, but um, just that morning time to take that time, that me time in the morning, I think is just, I think that's optimal, you know, before we women start giving um, of our time and energy and all of that away to, you know, other people, our work, whatever it is, um, you know, to fill our cup in the morning, I think is, is really great. And also in the evening, I think kind of book, book ending the morning and evening as, as uh, times to take care of yourself. And maybe the evening time is when you have your wine and your, and your reality shows, uh, you know, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah. 
while I say everybody live their truth, I know personally for me, drinking a glass of wine and watching the Indian matchmaking or something along the lines of that <laughs> at 6.30 in the morning, I can say from personal experience that that usually doesn't work for me, um, but definitely just taking that time for yourself, whether it is to start your day and not hit the ground with work emails, but have some time to center for yourself and set that intention. And I found with my coaching business, that actually makes me a better coach oh, because I should absolutely. not, I need to practice what I preach to, to my clients about taking care of themselves. And so it's been, it's been great. And I really enjoy doing that as part of my, my own me time. Right. Great. Well, I feel like we could have our whole podcast just talking about this because there's so many Next things time. I want to talk yeah, about. Absolutely. Yeah, but, Next time. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it all. And I totally agree with all of it. So save that for another time, sure. um, but let's talk about divorce. Um, so you've worked with many, many divorced um, women. And uh, let me just ask you, like when you get your, you know, your new clients, um, what do you see them struggling with the most? It's interesting because I've seen that with my clients, and these are women who are coming from all walks of life, from all professions, from the U.S., from Canada, from South Africa, from the United, um, from the United Kingdom. I've noticed that regardless of the type of divorce they had, the one thing that they struggle with the most is that they feel stuck that while they have read the self-help books or they've watched the Hollywood movies such as Eat, Pray, Love, and they've absorbed the messages of now you're a free woman after divorce, go and live life, what they struggle with is they still feel stuck. They feel that they're unable to move on and they're hearing messages that they should move on. And because they feel stuck and they haven't moved on, what they also struggle with then is that they feel guilty because they feel like they're not in a place where they where they should be. And then they feel they're not worthy. So the biggest struggle of them not feeling struck, them feeling stuck in a rut has kind of these secondary effects as well of being hard on themselves and feeling guilty and kind of kicking themselves and being unkind to themselves because they feel like they haven't moved on, although that they want to. So it's, 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 it's hard. And I know that it's, it, there's something there when I have clients coming from all walks of life, struggling with that single biggest challenge. And so for me, I feel that that is, that is where the work that I can do uh, comes in to, to help women because as a divorcee myself, I, I did experience that. And um, I just, I'm on a mission to help as many women as I can to, to overcome that, that really common struggle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Do you find that women tend to, um, you know, focus so much on, you know, getting through the divorce and, figuring out all that, all that stuff, like how that, how that's going to happen, what that's going to look like, you know, all, all that stuff that they don't think so much about, okay, what's going to happen to me after mm -hmm. the divorce? Do you think that's? Oh my gosh, a hundred percent, Kim. So divorce and for any, any of the listeners who have, who have been through one, I think that they can relate to the fact that we do put a lot of this emotional energy on the hellish legal process that depending on the nature of the person you're divorcing, there could be narcissism in play. There could have been infidelity in play. There could have been hiding assets or lying about assets. And so when we're going through the, the legal process of the actual separation and then the divorce, 
that takes a lot out. And so our cups are completely empty after that. And sometimes our bank accounts are empty after that as well. And so I think in our, in our media and the messaging is that, okay, just get through the divorce. And that's all I think that there are lawyers and financial advisors to help with that, but nobody really ever tells you the, the what next. We put all this emotional and financial energy actually just getting through the divorce that when we're done and the judge bangs his gavel or the, the divorce papers are filed in the county court, courthouse, there's no what after. And even mm -hmm. if there was kind of a what after messaging that was available to women, I think so many of them are just so exhausted over what could have been years leading up to the end of the marriage, as well as the separation and the divorce process, they have nothing left. And so not only are they kind of operating on empty and writing on empty, even if there was directions, they have no idea how to fill fill their cup up. So definitely the the pain, the emotional pain and financial pain of divorce, I think does drain them. And because it is drained, they, they're not sure what to do afterwards. And that's one of the many reasons I think that they remain stuck. Yeah, that's interesting. That makes, makes total sense. Um, you mentioned this uh, just a little bit ago, um, about, you know, messages that women get from, you know, media and friends and family, um, you know, all around us, right. Um, uh, even subconsciously, um, as we watch movies and like you said, eat, pray, love and, um, all kinds of things everywhere, mm -hmm. everywhere. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so how, I guess, would you say that these messages, again, not just through media, but from, from loving friends and family, um, how, you know, what are some of those messages, I guess, and how, how do they keep women stuck? Now, again, this is for, um, this is for women who are, who have gone through divorce or, or planning on it or going through it or whatever that are listening, but also maybe for the friends and family of, of women who have been divorced, what are some of those messages that you're, that that you hear, I guess. Right. Well, we could do literally like an all day podcast on that. <laughs> but um, I think suffice it to say, there are ones that I have noticed being in this business for the time that I have, which is just maybe about you know, six or so years. And what I've also noticed that my clients come to me really struggling with. And I do have, I would say maybe five, five messages or so that they're receiving from family and friends and the media. And frankly, even our patriarchal society, yes, I went there, that are, are keeping them stuck. And so there's a couple of things. I think the number one one is that even when women want to move on, I think a lot of times, and I see this unfortunately with a lot of divorce support, like kind of Instagram forums and Facebook forums, is that society wants to keep that divorced woman in a victim role. Now, when I say a victim role, that is not to discount or minimize anybody who is a survivor of abuse or infidelity. As someone who is a survivor of an abusive relationship myself, I can completely relate to that as well as saying dedicate the time to find your peace to healing and move on because the world needs you. 
that aside, though, when we talk about victimhood, I think that there's a lot of family members who want to be supportive of divorced women and friends as well that just want to harp on, oh, your ex was such a jerk. Look what he did. Look what he did. What an a-hole. And then you go to these divorce forums on the in in on social media sites, and it's the same thing. You have people saying, my ex was a jerk. F him. F that. Look at him moving on. And I think that kind of mentality of let's just dedicate all our energy even years after the divorce to continue to hate our our ex-spouse I think that's a very dangerous thing now I'm not saying that if your ex is a jerk your ex is a jerk but why are you putting so much of your mental energy and your future and the decades of your life that you still have where the best is yet to come why are you wasting all of that on being stuck in the past and putting that hatred towards your ex and spending another moment of your life thinking about him and so when we kind of perpetuate that kind of woman scorned idea and I think friends and family they they I don't think they're doing it on purpose I really don't I think they are trying to be supportive and sometimes the best way that they can establish a supportive connection is to be like, hey, let's just talk smack about about the person who wronged you. And so I think that's definitely keeping women stuck is kind of continuing to blame your ex and kind of making yourself a victim in that regard. Whereas I say, let us shift that narrative. Let us educate our family and friends and get active on social media to say, you know what? That's in my past. That doesn't define my future. Let's keep moving forward. And so I definitely think kind of that victimhood, blaming your ex and getting stuck in that. I think that is, I, I've seen with my clients, I've seen with the work that I've done over the past few years, that I think is the number one determiner, Kim. Um, but I think there's another couple of things. I think that there is an idea of scarcity that the media and family and friends are pushing on women that are keeping them stuck. And so what does that mean? I think that's a couple of things. I think when we hear things like, well, you're too old to date. Well, you're too, you're, you're not young enough to go back out there. You're not, you're not thin enough. You're not pretty enough. All of these messages that our toxic society sends to us anyway, as women of, women of any age, I've seen with my clients who are in their midlife, that messaging is I would say a force multiplier that it, it it's even stronger and it's even more harsh for them when they're receiving that. So I think there's that, but then I also think that there's this idea as well that keeps them stuck is kind of this play it safe mentality that for example, I have an incredible client and she works in a labor organization and she's awesome. And she just is, she's just been rocking it as kind of a, as a mentor and as a role model for people who are involved kind of in the labor movement. But not many people know she is this gifted, I would say prodigy at watercolor painting. And we've been working together for three years. And for two of those years, she is always talking to me about how she just wants to run away to Ireland and just live in Ireland, kind of in a camper van and just paint the landscape. And although she has positioned herself financially that she could do that anytime that she wanted, she still sees, receives this messaging from her family or friends. Are you crazy? You can't do that. You're so close to retirement. You'll, you'll ruin your retirement. You'll ruin your financial future. What'll you do? Ah, everything will explode. <laughs> and so I think, again, we have family and friends who they're trying to help. I really think that they have good intentions. But when we receive that messaging from them as divorced women, that's kind of instilling kind of this fear that, you know what, you're not, you're not smart enough to go ahead and 
live your dreams. You're not worthy enough to go ahead and live your dreams. And we're receiving that kind of messaging from from people that are are that are supposed to support us, that there's no wonder why that I think divorced women can feel stuck. And then I think that there's the the third factor, which I think also ties into scarcity, is this idea of, and 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 we see this I think in social media, I think with our our you know our societal cultural attitudes as well as friends of half and family is, shouldn't you just be happy with what you already have? And that, Kim, is like nails on a chalkboard to me. And these are what my clients, they say that they've got family members as well that say, well, you're, you're so successful. Why, why aren't you happy with that? Why can't you just be happy with that? Why can't you just live in the now? And I, and, and, and I say to that, if you're receiving that message, that saying that your discomfort and your feeling stuck is something that you should be okay with, that's not really helpful. That is going to perpetuate that feeling of being in a rut and not being able to break through. And if you you allow that to absorb into your conscience, and then you're going to actually then start thinking that, well, I am, I, I should feel guilty if I want more. Oh, I'm a bad person or I'm greedy or selfish for wanting more. It is just kind of like a vicious chain reaction that I've seen that when clients come to me, if they've been divorced for two, three, four, five years even, it's no wonder why they're still feeling stuck is because they've absorbed these ideas of blaming my ex and being the victim. They've absorbed these ideas of scarcity. Well, maybe I am too old to start over, or maybe I am, maybe that is too rash or crazy. I hate when people associate crazy with, with, with women, but that's a whole other conversation and a whole right. other podcast for us. Agreed. But they think, well, hey, maybe maybe they're right maybe my family and my friends and the, you know the, the the financial advice i i see you know on online maybe they are right maybe i should just stick with it until i'm 65 and when i retire um although that's 20 years away 15 years away for some people mm-hmm. and then oh geez maybe hmm maybe i should just be happy with where i am and those when you're settling when you know you want more it's no wonder why you feel like you're getting in a hole that you can't get out of. So those three things, I think three or four things, I can't count. Um, I think those are the reasons that women feel stuck. And that's definitely, I think, amplified by our society, by the media, by social media, by friends and family who are folks who are trying to help, but sometimes they're making our recovery worse. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you get out of a marriage to, you know, move away from being unhappy or being mm-hmm. stuck or settling, right? And that's the the last thing you want to do when you've now broken free from that. Mm-hmm. But I can see how, um, you know, so many messages from from everywhere around us can just, you know, keep us in that mindset. And I think really being aware of of those things. And that's why I'm so glad that you shared some of these. Um, messages because then, you know, maybe women listening can be like, oh yeah, I hear that. I hear that. I hear that. And then they Mm -hmm. can be aware of when they hear these things and then, you know, not internalize them, but, but realize, oh yeah, these are, these are these messages that I need to kind of be aware of. So, so, you know, how would a woman know, I guess, when she's not stuck anymore. <laughs> right. I don't know right. how else to yeah. say that. <laughs> no, I love that. No, that's a that's a good question. And I I was I was thinking about this 
and I was I was reflecting on this and I wanted to say things like well she'll know she's not stuck when she gave her boss the finger and she's painting those watercolors in Ireland or she'll know she's not stuck when she just uh turned her turned her home into a into a rental property and is now drinking beers on a hammock in 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 Mexico but while while those are things that you know it's like okay those are nice but I think really what the important part is, and if we're really kind of looking at this, I would say from kind of a big picture level, is women will know they're not stuck anymore when they're actually excited for their future. Number one thing, what I see my clients struggle with is they say, I'm scared to death that I'm going to be unhappy for the rest of my life, or I'm, I'm scared to death that I'm, I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. Or they say, is, is this it? You know, I think every single one of the clients that I, that I work with are, are recovering people pleasers. That for the longest time, the messaging they received when they were little girls was, well, if you're a good girl, if you, if you do all your homework and you make sure your pigtails don't get messy and you're not too loud, then you'll get the approval of your parents. And I feel like a lot of that messaging then kind of transferred to when they were teenagers and young women. And it, it changed a little bit, but it was still the same messaging is you need to be a good girl. And I think a lot of that is in women started to internalize that, that I then have to derive my self-worth from external factors. And so I see women that I work with who are top performing professionals in, in their career or they're retired and they were, they, they were top performing, performing professionals when they were still in the workforce. And the reason that they excel, whether it is they are a realtor or if they're uh, like if they're working as a, as, a, as a corporate lawyer or if they're business women or if they're science professors or things like that, they've excelled in their careers, every single one of them. And I think it's because they have that people pleasing mentality so, so ingrained in them. And so they continue to do that after their divorce. These are women that they'll work and work and work. And sometimes they'll work because that's kind of their only solace. And so they're continuing to please people, but then they realize, hey, I'm divorced. I may be working at a job that no longer excites me and I'm not really sure what to do. Is this it? Is this all I have? Is this the rest of my life? Once they have gone through the healing and the coaching strategies that I work with them with my clients, they start to realize that, no, this is not it. It's not just shutting down your laptop and having takeout and watching The Bachelorette with your dog, which is literally actually what I did all weekend. So that's, that's, that's me. <laughs> yeah, um, that was pretty specific. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was, it was like, that's oddly specific. Martha. Right. <laughs> um, I know. Right. But, uh, and um, it's, it's interesting though. So once they start feeling excited for the future and they're not scared of it, once they start realizing that, kind of the the routine in their life that is no longer serving them is not it and they have a whole world of opportunity just waiting for them and all they need is the confidence in themselves which maybe they didn't have before and the belief in themselves that they're going to be fine regardless of what happens once that is really kind of instilled in them as part of like I call rewiring your DNA and that is something that we work on with my lion heart methodology with my clients once they have those things, that they have that purpose, that they're excited for the future and they're not fearing it, that's how I know that they're unstuck. But it doesn't happen overnight. These are things that we're doing when I'm working with clients that 
sometimes you've been programmed for decades to get to where you're feeling unstuck right now. And so within an intensive matter of weeks and months, we can get you unstuck. Um, but that is definitely when you're excited for your future is when you're no longer stuck, which just makes me so, so excited when I, when I, when I talk about it. So that's a, that's a long-winded answer to your question, but when you're excited for your future. <laughs> right, right. I, I mean, I love that. Such a coach approach, you know, as a coach myself, um, mm -hmm. you know, just being able to, you know, get your clients to the point um, where they're excited about what could be and who they could become and, um, you know, all the possibilities in their life um, that, that could happen. And, you know, just, just that, that mindset of, um, you know, possibility and excitement and all of that, it, that just really excites me, <laughs> Absolutely. you know, to have women get to that point, because I just, you know, I love, I, I love this demographic of, of women. So, mm -hmm. um, okay. So you talked about some strategies that you use now, some women listening, who totally, you know, they, they want this, right. They want to get unstuck. You know, what are some strategies, maybe a couple that you can share that maybe you use with your clients, um, that can help women who are listening. Absolutely. So I would invite the listeners who are maybe either going through divorce or you're on the other end of divorce and you're kind of like, what now? I can't escape to Bali and find love with a Brazilian guy that I actually end up divorcing. They didn't tell you that in the story. But um, so if you're not having kind of an eat, pray, love life, and that's not that's not an option for you. And I think probably for 99.9% .9 of, of, of women, it might not be. Some easy strategies that I would invite everybody to kind of reflect on. And this is just not only for divorce listeners, but I think all the listeners in midlife is if you're feeling stuck in some way, whether it's professionally or whether it's in your personal life or any, any of your home life. And if you're feeling stuck, something that I would invite listeners to think about are what are some of the stories or the messages that you're operating from right now that are keeping you unhappy. Yeah, that's a good one. That's because I mean, as an example, um, it's a hard I, one. Exactly. Well, it. it I mean, <laughs> and it's and it's 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 interesting because it is really it does take a lot of introspection because we're not we as a society aren't really actually given that opportunity to be like, all right, well, are my parents' messages about money or are, as an example, Kim, I, I, I grew up in a very conservative Catholic family in a very rural part of the United States. And it's taken me, oh my God, it's taken me over 40 years to finally come to terms with the way that I've lived my life and the, uh, the struggle that I had after divorce were those based on ideas of shame that I, that I dealt with and struggled with from growing up Catholic and having left the church. Um, are those ideas that, oh, you shouldn't flout your success or you shouldn't celebrate your success. Is that from growing up in a rural area where it's, oh, you don't, you don't toot your own horn. Um, so those are some things that, that, that I, you know, kind of think about is speaking up and saying, no, this isn't good. This is not how things should be done. When I was working a kind of stressful defense national security job was that idea that everybody, especially women should just kind of be quiet. Did that come from the fact that I was in the army? And so really this time in my life in midlife, really thinking about 
am I operating on things that no longer serve me? Because if I, I, I'll tell you what, that when you're feeling stuck, the factors that are making divorced women feel stuck are is because they are operating on narratives that are no longer serving them. So when you're feeling stuck, if it's like, I can't quit my job, well, why is that? Is it because society is telling you that you can't quit or is it because financially? And so really kind of getting curious with that, not going out kind of like an inquisition. We don't need to do that, but just really getting curious that, well, what are the messages I'm operating from? And once we get curious with that exploration, I would say that the second kind of strategy that I would encourage listeners to use is how is this story, how is this messaging serving me? And if it's messaging that, I mean, for an example, um, I'm, I'm, I'm an army veteran and the messaging where get up and get your workout done early in the morning so you can have the rest of the day to, you know, kick ass, that's a message that serves me. That's a message that I'd received, you know, 20, 25, I, I lost count, like 20 years ago. That's a message that served me. So sure, I can, I can keep that message. But if there's an idea of, oh, you shouldn't speak up, you shouldn't be kind of the annoying, the annoying midlife woman, it's like, hmm, well, is that serving me? No, it's not serving me if, if, I'm, if I'm seeing an injustice or if I'm getting the runaround when I'm trying to buy a new car at the car dealer. Mm-hmm. So really, at first, as a strategy, get curious with those ideas and those stories and those narratives that you're operating from, and then thoughtfully with curiosity no need for judgment, but just kind of with curiosity, examine how are these narratives serving me? And if they're not serving you, it's time to maybe create a new narrative for yourself. Those narratives may have helped you for the first 40, 50, 60 years of your life. But if they're no longer serving you now, you have permission and the responsibility to start forming those new narratives that are going to carry you on for your fearless, incredible post-divorce life. Right. Oh my gosh. I love this because, you know, these are definitely questions I, I work with my clients through as well. Um, so I'm just going to, um, repeat them. I I did write them down. Um, so the first question was, um, what are the messages I'm operating from? Mm -hmm. So again, wherever a woman is in her life, we all have messages, whether divorced or not, we have messages that we're operating from. Uh, second, uh, how is this messaging serving me? So being curious about that. I love how you say that. I say that as well. Be curious, not judgmental, you know, Mm -hmm. come from a place of curiosity, not of judgment, like a friend would maybe ask you as opposed to maybe yourself. And then uh, I love how you talk about giving yourself permission to create a new narrative. And I think that is its own hurdle as well for many of us women is to give ourselves permission to create a new narrative, to break free of the old one and to create a new one for ourselves um, that comes from a place of possibility and self-love and self-worth and all of those things. Oh my gosh. I really loved talking with you, Martha. This is a really great conversation. Um, Yeah. So I know we have so much more to talk about, but we're at the end of our time. Um, But I'm going to put a couple of links in the show notes for for people to connect with you, your website. Um, You're on Facebook, you're on LinkedIn, and then you also offer a a book your, I'm sorry, a divorce transformation call that people Mm -hmm. can can schedule and and have um, a talk with you about where they are and how uh, you might be able to help them get unstuck, I guess. So Martha, thank you again so much for coming on to the Me Time Midlife podcast. It was wonderful finally having you on here. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I hope everybody has a, has a great rest of the day and a great 
rest of your incredible midlife life. Awesome. If you find the Me Time Midlife podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. The best way is to simply tell your midlife friends about it. It also helps the show's visibility if you rate and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or simply directly in your Apple Podcasts app if you listen to the show that way. And if you want more me time in your life and continue the conversations we have on the show with other women on a similar journey, consider joining our Me Time Midlife community on Facebook. Simply search for Me Time Midlife Community in your Facebook search bar or go to metimemidlifepodcast.com to learn more. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, remember, you've been taking care of everyone else. It's your turn to take care of you.